0: If you've got your Bibles with you or your Bible apps, I'm going to invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, the 8th chapter. I'm going to begin reading at the 22nd verse, or you could just listen as I read this. This story is unique in the healing of Jesus. You'll hear something in this is unique, different than every other healing. It's only found in this Gospel. Mark 8, 22 says this. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man. Now the they and that are, is Jesus and the disciples. Some people we don't know anything about. We don't know how many or who they were. And we don't know the name of the man that they brought to Jesus. Some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. May the Holy Spirit that has been trying to get your attention and my attention all day, all weekend, may the Holy Spirit open up our hearts to the truth that is found in God's Word. May the living Word of God live in our hearts. Would somebody say amen? So I love this passage, this second touch, unique from all the other miracles of Jesus. And I believe that it's got at least three distinctive truths. And I, I was trying to figure out a way to, to say that in a, in a, in a way that would, you could bring home. And one of the things I thought about as I studied this passage is how did they find Jesus to, to take this man to him? When it's at Bethsaida, there's some debate among uh, scholars exactly where it was, but uh, even a small town, uh, it, you can't just find somebody unless you know the spot in that small town. I'm, I'm from a small place, Blues Lake, and if you said, I'm going to meet you at Blues Lake, we'd walk around for hours and not see one another. So I wondered, did, did anyone ask, where is Jesus? We want to bring this man there. Now there's no evidence that that they asked for directions. That's not in there, but it helps me to tell the truth if we think about it that way. So I wondered, did somebody ask for directions? And if they did, did they give directions like my uncles give directions? When my uncles give people directions, they pick at them. So I wondered, did it happen like this? Bartholomew, come here. Come here, boy. <laughs> Do you see what happened? Do you see them people? <laughs> I had a little fun with them. Yeah. So I was looking out my window, and I seen him walking around. I could tell he looking for something. So anyway, I walked out there, and I said, can I help you? You know, that's how I talk. That's how I talk to them. You know, i just going to pull her leg a little bit. I said, can I help you? And I, they said they was, they was looking for the miracle worker. I said, you talking about marrying Joseph's boy from Nazareth? And they said, what? That's how they say it. Like they, say, they said, what? And I said, yeah, he's from Nazareth. They ain't been outside this county. They don't know things. My wife's got people in Nazareth. I've been there. I didn't lose anything there. I've been to Nazareth twice, my first time and my last time. But anyway, they didn't know. They didn't know. They're not educated like I am. And then I said, uh, I said, You looking for uh Mary and Joseph's boy, they you know, they they called him the Lamb of God. They said, "What?" They didn't know that either. They didn't know that. They said, "They call him the Great Physician," and that got their attention. This fellow said, "Yeah, that's the one we're looking for." And you know what I did? Because yeah, you know, I just like to pull people's leg. I said. What do you want with him? I said it just like that. That's how I said it. I said, What do you want with him? And that's when they kind of parted, and there's this fella there, and everybody knows who is he is. Small town. I know him. He, he can't see. can't see. He's blind. And, and uh, I, I know who he is. I said, How you doing? He recognized my voice, and he said, How's your mama in him? I said, She's getting better. She's getting better. That's what I told him. She, his mama makes a good fig pudding. I'm telling you, I've I known that boy. So when I saw that, I stopped messing around with them. And, and uh, of course, you know, I got one more in. I, they said, well, where can we find him? I said, you know that old barn that half the roof is falling in? They said, yeah. I said, well, he ain't nowhere near that. <laughs> that's what I did. I said that to him. <laughs> then I quit messing with them. And I said, if you're looking for him, if you're looking for the miracle worker, just keep on going that way. You'll see him. About 10 minutes walk. And they headed out there. Now, Bartholomew... I'm not sure they're going to find a miracle worker. Because I'm going to tell you the truth. They weren't looking for the miracle worker. They was looking for the miracle. And there's a difference. They they weren't looking for the great physician. They just wanted a Band-Aid. But what little I know about this fella, they may get more than what they was looking for. A lot of people applaud it this time, just so I'll move on to the next point. They came to Jesus because they, they, they love this man. And they knew that nobody could help him except this miracle worker. And I hope that you're here because you know there's a hurt in your life that only Jesus is the answer to. I hope that you come to worship, come to church, or involved in church because you love somebody and you want to bring them before Christ, lift up their name before them. But the truth is that there's a difference between seeking answers in Christ and seeking Christ who is the answer. I heard one pastor put it this way. Sometimes the only way that we can know that Jesus is all that we need is when Jesus is all that we have. You see, we come to Christ because there's brokenness in our life. There are are hurts in our life. There are problems that only he can help us with. But we need to know that Jesus is not going to be satisfied with helping with one problem. That he wants all of us. As you exit this place and we shake hands, if you look down on this left hand, you're going to see the tiniest little scar. The, the tiniest little where, where stitches were. When I was 13 years old, I got a cyst in my wrist. That would make a terrible name for a children's book. The cyst in my wrist. And family doctors said, uh, you know, it was going to have to come out. It was deep within there. It had to be a little bit of surgery. They had to put me to sleep to cut it out of there. My grandfather told me it was a Bible bump. He'd he'd had one as a child, and they called it a Bible bump back in those days because they would hold you down. The Bible was the biggest book in the home, and they would beat you with that Bible till it popped. I said, Papaw, put your Bible down. I didn't say that. I didn't say that, but I thought that. Papa, I'm going to go see the doctor. So anyway, went to see the doctor. I was really nervous. Never had any kind of surgery or anything. I was I was just visibly nervous and t- talking to everybody in the waiting room. Yeah, I got the system, a wrist. They're going to take it out. Told the receptionist, look, it's right there. They're just going to take it out. Said, Sit down. They'll be with you in a second. Went back there all by myself, all by myself. Nurse looked at it. I told her, yeah, there it is. There it is. My grandpa wanted to hit it with a Bible, but we're just going to have the doctor cut it out. And she said, well, I need you to take off all your clothes and put on this gown. And I thought, I got a cyst on my wrist. Everything else, y'all just leave me alone. That's how doctors are. They want to know what's going on with the whole body. And that's what the great physician Jesus He wants all of you, your heart, your soul, your mind, your voice, your time. He's not satisfied with a little bit. The Bible says God is a jealous God, not jealous in a bad way, but he is jealous to know all of you, everything about you. Like I said, no indication they ask for direction, but it helps me make the point if they ask one of my uncles, Bartholomew. Do you see them come by here? Yeah, they just come by here a few minutes ago. I was having a little bit of fun with them. They come by here because that 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 fella that, that they came with, he didn't go back into the village, and they's looking for him. You know, they love him. They's concerned about him, and they asked me. They said, "Do you see that blind man?" I said, "No, I didn't. I knew they was talking about because he wasn't blind anymore." So I said to him, "I said, dumb." Uh, can I help you? That's what I did. Just like I said. Can I help you? They said, "Well, we're looking for him, looking for that blind fella." I said, "Well, I know who you're talking about. I saw him, but he saw me." And they said, "What?" They couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe. It. That's all they wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about that fella that healed. And they just couldn't believe. They couldn't believe that happened. They wanted to find him. And I got to thinking about it. He didn't want to be found. He didn't go back to the village. I knew where he was. He's standing right there in the edge of the woods. They was looking all around for that blind fellow, but they couldn't see him. That's kind of like us, isn't it? Sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. Sometimes we can't see what's right in front of us because we're looking for something else. Isn't it odd that Jesus often told people not to talk about the miracle. There's several times in Scripture that Jesus says, "Don't, don't tell anyone." And I, I think I can say with confidence, I, I, I believe I know why. Jesus did miracles for two reasons. One, because He loves us, and He knows we're hurting. But two, he wanted his miracles to point to to our Father in heaven. He wanted his miracles to talk about the great miracle that God would save us, that we could be forgiven, that he loves us, that we could be a new creation, that we could be born again. And Jesus knew our attention span. And he knew that sometimes the little miracle gets in the way of us seeing the big miracle. There are lots of things that keep us from seeing the miracles that God has for us. One is good times, prosperity. You see, there are times in our life when things are going okay and and we've got enough to make ends meet and there's nobody in our life that's in crisis And, and we forget that we still need Christ as much then as on the worst day of our life. And sometimes we're blind to what God is moving because we don't know how much we need him. Sometimes we're blind to God's miracles because we're not seeking after a miracle. We're not praying in earnest for a miracle. When I was on the road the first time, I'm loving being on the road again. When I was on the road the first time, you know, with my wife, we found a a home church for her. She didn't travel everywhere with me, but, and, and so I couldn't worship often with her, but there were some Sundays I wasn't preaching and I worshiped with her. And I was at church when, when our pastor stood up and said, we're going to have a baby. And all the church went wild. Woo! Everybody just thought that was awesome. I was right there with them. Come on! Somebody's having a baby and it's not us. It's so awesome. <laughs> Woo! I went into the ministry so I wouldn't have to keep the nursery at church. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just thanking the Lord. And I look over and my wife's crying. Just crying. And I didn't know she'd been praying for this family. I didn't know that she'd had three miscarriages. So I heard somebody's having a baby. My wife heard God answers prayer. There's a miracle God wants to work in your life. But we've got to seek Him in boldness. I mean, these, these people stepped out in faith. They'd heard about Jesus and they said, We've got to get our friend to Him. Is there somebody you love enough? To bring them to Jesus? this it sounds like something a preacher should say, ought to say. But do you love your family enough to invite them to be a part of the body of Christ? It's a pretty good place to experience the love of Christ. You can experience it outside the walls of church, sure. But worship's a pretty good place. Do you love them enough? You might see God do a miracle in their lives. It's worth you stepping out in faith. Like I said, no evidence of asking for directions. But my uncles give directions like this. Bartholomew, they came by here. They was looking for Jesus again. I had to tell them. They killed that boy. They took it pretty hard. But you know I always want to help. So I told him, if you're looking for Jesus, I heard he said he'd do greater things. Those who knew him would do greater things in his name than he did. He did some pretty great things. Can you imagine what he's going to do? So I said, if you're looking for Jesus... I told him to go see y'all. I told him he lives in your heart. Theologians and scholars like to talk about that second touch. Only place in scripture where Jesus, it took twice for him to bring complete healing. But I believe every miracle Jesus desires a second touch. There's a there's a kind of theological discussion doesn't happen very often anymore but people used to talk about the second blessing To receive Christ was the first blessing and to receive the Holy Spirit was the second blessing. But I like what my friend, Dr. Mark Putnam, used to say to me. He said, I don't want just a second blessing. I want a third, a fourth, a fifth. I want all that God has for me. I want God to continue to touch my life. He is not done with you. He has not finished the work that he has for you. We don't know what happened to that man. We don't know the rest of his story. And you would think, our our gut instincts, our initial instinct is, if he was healed like that, that he couldn't see, and now he could see, that would change him forever. He'd always be seeking after Christ. But the truth is, sometimes even miraculous things wear off. Years ago, years ago, driving down the road early in my ministry, I came about that close to a head-on collision with an 18-wheeler. I was coming over the top of a hill and that truck pulled in front. I slammed on my brakes and swerved away and just barely missed a head-on collision. And for days and weeks and months, I kept saying to myself, God has given me a second chance at life. I could be dead right now, but God's given me a second chance at life. And I want to live for Him, but here's the truth. It kind of wore off and I kind of forgot about it. So God's got to come and get our hearts again. Touch us a, a second time. God wants to finish the work that He's begun in you. That you want to know Him better? than than you've ever known him. You wanna know the power that he has for you. There is more to Jesus than you have yet to believe. There is more power, more redemption than you have yet to receive. You've just seen the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more that God wants to do in and through you. Can I get an amen? amen? Thursday night. I got a great surprise. Um, I was getting ready for the Thursday night service and I looked up and there were Patsy and Jenna. Patsy and Jenna were in my very first church many years ago and they were on vacation here and they'd heard about the service because you folks do such a good job about, about talking about what God's doing in the life of your church. They heard about it. They stayed an extra day. And so I looked up, and there they were. I was so glad to see them. But it struck a memory in me. When when I was there, uh, they had a birthday party for Jenna. She's a grown woman now. I tied the knot for that, her, but but she's a little girl back then. They had a birthday party, and they invited the preacher to come. And, and, and they, they, they put up a piñata. And, you know, sometimes it takes kids a while to break into that thing. And so they were just whacking away with it, whacking away with it. It wouldn't break it. Finally, one kid just reared back and. Hit it hard. And it split wide open and fell to the ground. And I was looking at Patsy when it fell to the ground. And she looked at me and said, They don't come with candy already in them. We need to be filled. If you've received Christ, you still need to be filled. Holy Spirit wants to pour into you. One of the ways that we receive that grace is a mystery beyond my explanation. But John Wesley believed that God's grace was present in this meal in a way unique. I'm going to invite Kim to to come up right now and We're going to take Holy Communion together. And somebody in the church just went to the grocery store and got bread and, and, and grape juice. That's, that's what it is, just ordinary stuff. And I'm reminded that, that Jesus spat into that man's eyes. That grosses us out in, in culture today, but in the ancient world... They weren't quite as grossed out as we might have been. The, the closest equivalent is, you remember when you had some dirt on your face and your mom would spit on a napkin and just start scrubbing? <laughs> but just, he was a real, he really walked this earth. And it was his hands that, that touched that man. And, and he said, when we take this meal, he is really present. With us. And I believe that. And I want want you to receive that. The only instructions he gave us was to come to this table with a repentant heart.